0: Numbers 15, Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and tell them, when you have come into the land of your habitations, which I give to you. Sorry. Sorry, one second. Sorry, start again. Numbers 15, Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and tell them, When you have come into the land of your habitations which I give to you, and will make an offering by fire to Yahweh, a burnt offering or a sacrifice to accomplish a vow, or as a freewill offering, or in your set feasts, to make a pleasant aroma to Yahweh of the herd or of the flock, then he who offers his offering shall offer to Yahweh a meal offering of one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-fourth of a hin of oil. You shall prepare wine for the drink offering, one-fourth of a hin, with the burnt offering, or for the sacrifice for each lamb. For a ram, you shall prepare for a meal offering, two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with a third part of a hin of oil. And for the drink offering, you shall offer the third part of a hin of wine, of a pleasant aroma to Yahweh. When you prepare a bull for a burnt offering, or for a sacrifice to accomplish a vow, or for peace offerings to Yahweh, then he shall offer with the bull a meal offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour, mixed with a half a hin of oil. And you shall offer for the drink offering half a hin of wine, for an offering made by fire, of a pleasant aroma to Yahweh. Then it shall be done for each bull, for each ram, for each of the male lambs, or of the young goats, according to the number that you shall prepare, so you shall do to everyone according to their number. All who were native-born shall do these things in this way, in offering an offering made by fire of a pleasant aroma to Yahweh. If a stranger lives as a foreigner with you, or whoever may be among you throughout your generations, and will offer an offering made by fire of a pleasant aroma to Yahweh, as you do, so he shall do. For the assembly shall be one statute for you, and for the stranger who lives as a foreigner, a statute forever throughout your generations. As you are, so the foreigner shall be before Yahweh. One law and one ordinance shall be for you, and for the stranger who lives as a foreigner with you. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and tell them, When you come into the land where I bring you, then it shall be that when you eat of the bread of the land, you shall offer up a wave offering to Yahweh. Of the first of your dough you shall offer a cake for a wave offering. As the wave offering of the threshing floor, so you shall heave it. Of your first of your dough, you shall give it to Yahweh, a wave offering throughout your generations. When you err and don't observe all these commandments which Yahweh has spoken to Moses, even all that Yahweh has commanded you by Moses from the day that Yahweh gave commandment and onward throughout your generations, then it shall be. If it was done unwittingly, without the knowledge of the congregation, that all the congregation shall offer one young bull for a burnt offering, for a pleasant aroma to Yahweh, with its meal offering and its drink offering, according to the ordinance, and one male goat for a sin offering. The priest shall make atonement for all the congregation of the children of Israel, and they shall be forgiven, for it was an error. And they have brought their offering, an offering made by fire to Yahweh, and their sin offering before Yahweh for their error. All the congregation of the children of Israel shall be forgiven, as well as the stranger who lives as a foreigner among them, for with regard to all the people it was done unwittingly. If a person sins unwittingly, then he shall offer a female goat a year old for a sin offering. The priest shall make atonement for the soul who errs when he sins unwittingly before Yahweh. He shall make atonement for him, and he shall be forgiven. You shall have one law for him who does anything unwittingly, for him who is native-born among the children of Israel, and for the stranger who lives as a foreigner among them. But the soul who does anything with a high hand, whether he is native-born or a foreigner, blasphemes Yahweh. That soul shall be cut off from among his people, because he has despised Yahweh's word, and has broken his commandment, that soul shall be utterly cut off. His iniquity shall be on him. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on a Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him in custody because it had not been declared what should be done to him. Yahweh said to Moses, The man shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside of the camp. All the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones, as Yahweh commanded Moses. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and tell them that they should make themselves fringes on the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put on the fringe of each border a cord of blue. It shall be to you for a fringe, that you may see it and remember all Yahweh's commandments and do them, and that you don't follow your own heart and your own eyes, after which you used to play the prostitute, so that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am Yahweh your God. This chapter talks about a few different things, and I'm going to just want to highlight three of them. The first is um, there was this whole passage that talked about people who sinned unwittingly. And, you know, there was an outlined process there for sacrifice. But then it talked about people who sinned with a high hand. A different version of the Bible says they sinned defiantly. And uh, then it basically said that if people sinned defiantly, that they would be cut off and that their guilt would remain. So I wanted just to consider for a minute this idea of defiant sin. Defiant sin, or high-handed sin in this translation, is not only willful sin, but deliberately willful sin. So I know deliberately and willful sounds like, you know, they're synonyms it's almost like saying the same thing twice like certainly yes or you know something like that but all of us at times have committed willful sin and we've all committed un- unwitting sin you know there's times we've sinned and we look back on it and realize and say oh dear i shouldn't have done that or there's times that we've also committed sin willingly knowing we really shouldn't do something or say for example at night you know you, know you should spend some time in prayer um, but you're just too tired, so you go to sleep. So, there's an example of, you know, willful, willfully, I guess you could say, uh, t- you know, ignoring the Lord. You know, you know that the Lord, you, you should give some time to the Lord, you know, you should read the Bible. So, we, we all, that's just a, one example. There are many examples of willful sin. And, but what we're talking about here is something like defiantly willful. In other words, you know, say for example, you knew that something really displeased the Lord and you almost, you didn't, you you just didn't care at all. In fact, you wanted to defy the Lord. You wanted to do this thing before God's eyes. You know, it's almost like finding out something that displeases someone and deliberately doing the thing to displease them. Sometimes you see this with siblings, that they know certain things that each other doesn't like. It's like, you know, someone gets given a snack or something by their, by one of their parents that they go and deliberately eat it in front of their brother or their sister to annoy them. So they know it's gonna annoy them and they do it on purpose. And so there are sometimes people that willfully sin and they're they're defiant, it's high handed, it's done deliberately. They know that the Lord doesn't like it and they don't care and they wanna do it anyway. They've set their heart to sin and the scriptures say here about this, that they'll be cut off from their people and their guilt remains. Now some people have said, well can't the Lord forgive any sin? Well he can. He can forgive any sin but the problem is that the Lord responds through grace to repentance. But the problem is that the very nature of this type of a sin is that it's it's not able to repent. It, the attitude of the person is the opposite of a repentant attitude. So they're not in a place where they're able to be forgiven. It's not that God can't forgive, but they're not. the attitude of the heart isn't, is, isn't the type of attitude that is able to receive forgiveness. And so that's the reason why their guilt will remain and they will be cut off. If you have committed willful sin, um, we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, I, I forgive me, I haven't spent enough time with you, or forgive me, Lord, that I you might be, surrounded by peers that are worldly and you might know that you shouldn't act the way that they want you to act, but you do. And there are many examples of willful sin. And, but we go to the Lord and we ask him to forgive us and we ask him to help us to change. And with a heart that's like that, a soft heart that wants his help and wants his grace, wants change, we can receive forgiveness for sins. And hopefully, you know, we, we seek him until we find the power to overcome that sin. So we need to make sure we cleanse out of our heart all willful sin. If there's any defiance in you, lay it down and let it go so that the Lord's grace and mercy can be extended to you. And then in the middle of this chapter, there's this story of a Sabbath breaker, a man that was gathering wood on the Sabbath and they caught him or they saw him and they took him to the Lord and the Lord said to stone him to death. Now this seems overly tough to many people today. Not just this passage, but quite a few passages in the, in the Old Testament, in the book, in the other first five books of the Bible, there's other examples of this type of thing. So some people think that the, the, the law is out of place, and you know some people are grateful we're not living like that anymore, and I'm grateful for that too. But I want to read to you something that I've written here. I think that the law was wonderful. And these stories, they don't illustrate how wonderful the law is. But let's read what I've, what I've got written. The law is, was a precious gift, not just to Israel, but to all people, all humanity. Without the law, grace could never have been given. If God wanted to give grace, but there was never a law to begin with, then that would be against a backdrop of lawlessness and no one would ever be righteous. Just think about it. Imagine the world with the craziness of Noah. You know, before Noah came, the world was so violent and crazy. Or just think in the time of Abraham, everything was crazy and wild. Imagine God turned up to a world like that and, and tried to introduce grace. All that would happen is that he would be simply authorizing wickedness. Nobody would know the seriousness of sin. No one would know how righteous living is essential no one would feel bad after they did the wrong thing. Without the law, grace would just be an approval of what was already there, an approval of lawlessness. So the law had to come, and it had to be a real law, and it had to have real consequences. This passage shows us that the law of God did have real consequences, and during the 40 years in the desert, the the Lord applied the law not just for the benefit of those there at the time, but for all humanity. So because the law was so tough at the time, it's it's lifted up a standard by which we can measure ourselves against. And the law has changed the world so much so that it's very clear what's right and it's very clear what's wrong. And all these things are wonderful and good and we have to appreciate the law and God and his wisdom even in these stories where people were punished. Additionally, the Israelites had been slaves, and God was putting them through a toughening up experience akin to a military boot camp. They were learning how to take orders. They were learning not to complain about it. What seems tough and excessive to us today was precisely what God had to do later in the Psalms, especially in Psalm 119, the law of the Lord is extolled. It says that the law is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and that remains true to this very day. Uh, Paul tells us in the New Testament that the law was a school to bring us to Christ. If you came to Christ and the mercy of Christ without the law, well the truth is you couldn't even come to Christ. So. We need to have a very high view of the law, and even when we read stories that seem tough, like this Sabbath-breaker being stoned to death, we need to understand that the, the wisdom of God was in these circumstances. And even though it it's, seems out of place in today's world, it's only out of place because we're living in a world that does experience God's grace. But at the same time, we've got to remember that the law is still there, and that all people will be judged one day. And if you're not in grace, you're under law and therefore the day comes when all people who stand before God under law will be judged, just as this Sabbath breaker was judged. So it reminds us to be grateful for the law of the Lord and to be grateful for a saviour that brings us to grace and to be grateful that we have found the mercy of the Lord. And speaking of the mercy of the Lord, we're going to finish this chapter by just this one point. The end of this chapter talked about tassels, it said that the Israelites were to make a hem on their clothes, and then they were to put these little blue tassels, and it was a reminder to them to follow God. And in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 21, but also in Mark and Luke's Gospels, is a story of a woman who thought to herself, she had a, a, a medical issue where she couldn't stop bleeding. She thought to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, In the Greek, it's these tassels that we're talking about right here. So Jesus actually wore the clothing that that they were told to wear, and she thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And this is the mercy that I'm talking about. If you and I can just reach out and just take a hold of the Lord, just touch the Lord, we'll (laughs) receive healing and mercy, and it's the most wonderful thing. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the law. Thank you, the law is wonderful. And help us to walk in your ways. Even though we're under grace now, help us to be people who have such respect for God. And help us, Lord, we reach out to you by faith. And we touch the hem of your garment. We just touch you, Lord. Heal us. Heal our hearts that are so broken and sinful. Lord, heal our minds which are, that are filled with worldliness. Lord, fill us with the spirit of the Lord. Let your mercy be extended to us in Jesus' name. Amen.